Hey folks, Andy Patton here, joined by Raphael Barlow. Raphael created NBADraftJunkies.com and hosts the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Without Gonzaga Hoops this week, Raphael and I are going to discuss Chet Holmgren and other Zags who are on the draft radar for 2022. All right here on Locked On Zags. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. All right. I am super excited today to be joined by Raphael Barlow. Raphael is one of the premier NBA draft experts out there. Really excited with out a lot of Gonzaga hoops to discuss in the last couple of weeks because of COVID-19. It's kind of a good opportunity to look at how these guys have performed in the first half of the season, particularly those guys who are looking to go into the NBA either this season or potentially in future seasons. Uh, before we talk about the primary player for this conversation, which is, of course, Chet Holmgren, uh, Raphael, I wanted to get your take on just what you think about this draft class in general and kind of if there are any players who have really surprised you or stood out to you or just the depth of the class just as a whole, obviously, we're still a long ways away from June, but kind of what your thoughts are so far. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a pretty good class. I mean, there's been a few guys that have literally come out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. Johnny Davis from Wisconsin comes mm-hmm. to mind. Um, even like Keegan Murray, who was arguably their third best player last year. He was in the shadows behind Luca Garza. Mm-hmm. He's playing so well that he probably projects to be a top 10 pick. So the sophomore class is pretty strong. I think the freshman class is, is also pretty strong. And then you have the G League Ignite team, which has mm-hmm. maybe four guys that could end up being selected in the top 30, 35. So overall, I think it's a good class. I mean, I think there's still some question marks. Yeah. But I mean, we have question marks with every class. So of course, yeah. it's never a, a, an absolute. So I want to talk about Chet Holmgren, of course, the guy who's been lauded as the potential first overall pick in this draft class since he crossed over Steph Curry when he was like 15 years old in high school, Uh, obviously comes over to Gonzaga, has been playing elite on the defensive end of the floor, Uh, hasn't really stood out in a tremendous way offensively, although he's been super efficient. Um, Most of the mock drafts that I'm seeing have him still in that top five range, although he's certainly not the consensus number one overall pick at this point. I'm curious if you think that that's more of Chet maybe not living up to expectations or more of just other guys jumping him or if you never had him as the top overall pick. I'm curious kind of where you think he is at this point in the season. Yeah, I can't imagine him falling outside of the top three. Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty, pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually had him number one coming into the season, but I am not surprised at how he's playing because Mm – I think Drew Timmy is the best player in college yeah. basketball. Mm-hmm. And I knew, well, I assume Chet knew that coming into the yeah. season that he was going to have to play a, a complimentary role. Mm-hmm. Now, I may be a little bit biased because I am I live in the Dallas area and I've mm-hmm. seen Drew <laughs> since mm-hmm. he was about eighth, eighth or, or ninth grade. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just assumed that Chet knew coming in that he was going to have to play a complimentary role. The one thing that has been 
a little bit shocking to me is that he hasn't shot the ball as well mm-hmm. from three. I, yeah. I thought that I'd see a lot of Timmy on the inside and, and Chet just knocking down open threes. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen that. Um, but defensively, he's been as, as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I like most about Chet, outside of the fact that he has like this unique combination of size and skills, is he's yeah. tough. Yeah. He's he's not afraid to throw his 195-pound frame <laughs> around. And I think that definitely stands out with yeah. scouts. But um, I think right now, um, and a lot of it is probably just based off of the head-to-head matchup. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, Ben Carroll would probably yeah. go number yeah. one. You know, there's a lot of talk about Jabari Smith from Auburn mm-hmm. possibly going number one. I still have him as number three. Right yeah. now I have Chet as number two, but I had him number one going into the season. Um, I just think that it's – I think it's going to end up uh, coming down to how well – he plays in a tournament. I mean, right yeah. now with their schedule, there's not a, a lot of high competition, high level mm-hmm. games to, to be played. So, yeah. um, but I think it's going to boil down to the to the high plays in the in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the toughness because I think there's a lot of people who are really waiting for obvious examples of Chet getting pushed around because that was kind of their perception of what was going to happen to him at the college level. And certainly that's, you know, that's unlikely to happen in the WCC. There's a couple of big dudes, but not, you know, not the level that they've played already, but he, he really didn't get pushed around against some of those bigger players. I know that, you know, they didn't win against Duke, but he didn't, you know, Mark Williams wasn't shoving him around constantly. They didn't have too much trouble down low uh, with Alabama. Like he's, he's proven he can withstand some of that. Uh, even with his pretty slight frame. I, I do wonder about the outside shooting. I think I saw that his transition three, his percentage from transition three was really good, which is great. I think that's a skill that will translate over into the NBA. But his half-court sets, his three-point shooting was was really bad. I think it was yeah, like it was really 120%. <laughs> um, so I know his last couple of games he shot better there, so that would be something for me at least. Uh, that would be a huge thing to see him improve upon in WCC play. Uh, I know you mentioned that uh, the best thing he can probably do is play well in the NCAA tournament, but are there any other things between now and then, or even then specifically that you'd like to see him do uh, that would really help kind of solidify him as a, as the number two pick at least, or potentially push him over Bancaro for that number one spot? Uh, yeah, just outside shooting. I mean, if he can catch mm-hmm. fire and finish yeah. the season in the mid thirties, then I think it will, it will help out a lot. I mean, I expect Gonzaga to mm-hmm. to run through the conference, but I think yeah. right now it's just the outside shooting is is the main thing that I think is could, could help him, mm-hmm. you know, get back to at least number one on my board. Yeah, um, and then the last thing we've seen some <laughs> some pretty wild comparisons for Chet Holmgren. Um, some of them that I think are are kind of a little bit inaccurate. Like I, he's not Dirk Nowitzki. I'm not sure where that one comes from. Uh, he's probably not Kevin Durant. Uh, certainly, he's a much different player on the defensive end of the floor than Kevin Durant. I'm curious if there are any, it doesn't have to be a specific player, but just like the kind of player that you expect him to be at the next level, because I think some of the comparisons are kind of coming all different directions and maybe don't make a lot of sense for what kind of player, at least I've seen him be in a Gonzaga uniform. Yeah, man, I don't think there is a comparison. I think that's yeah. what makes him such a unique prospect. I mean, we haven't seen seven footers with skills. I mean, Durant is more of a natural guard. Yeah. 
Um, I wouldn't say Chet is a natural guard, but no. Chet is a natural uh, rim protector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, he's he's such a unique prospect. I mean, yeah, you know, Porzingis is not a popular name, and a lot of people yeah. are down on Porzingis, but yeah. he's been he's been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. I think Chet is a better rim protector, even though Porzingis yeah. has been he, he's been pretty good, especially earlier mm-hmm. in his career. But I think. Um, the Porzingis comparisons are are probably as close as you can get. The yeah. downside of the Porzingis comparisons are the similar body type has led mm-hmm. to nagging injuries. Right. And so, um, but even if he does have a Porzingis type career, I mean, I think mm-hmm. some people would be disappointed, but I mean, yeah. that means he's still a high level NBA starter. Mm-hmm. Number two or number three option on on, on a really good team. Yeah. Um, and and uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think that the outside shooting is going to have to really come along because I yeah. think I mean you know not a lot of post play in the NBA anyway. Right. Yeah. But I mean, if he can be a floor spacer, mm-hmm. he's such a good ball handler that he's able to like attack closeouts and that will open things up for him. I've, I've always liked the Porzingis comparison. I'm glad you brought that one up because some people really don't like it because, like you said, his stock is not uh, going in the right direction right now. And some people are disappointed with how his career has turned out. But there are more similarities there than I think anything else. And obviously, if he can stay healthy, which is a, he hasn't had issues staying healthy yet, but his frame does lend to some concern there. You could understand. Uh, but if he can be a slightly better rim protecting version of Chris Tapp's Porzingis, that's that would be a great career. Like, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's kind of the direction that he goes. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard when you've been hearing some of those elite names being thrown around as a comparison for you since you were 15, 16 years old. But uh, I think he's on track to be to be a really solid NBA player. And I'm excited to see where he ends up going in this draft. I think you're right, top three, top five uh, at worst. But it's, it's hard for me to imagine guys like Smith and Ivy and those guys jumping him uh, unless he just straight up cannot shoot for the rest of the season, which I'm hopeful uh, as a Gonzaga fan and a Chet Holmgren fan is not the case. Yeah. I mean, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see. um, I can't see Ivy passing him up at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me neither. All right, thanks, Raphael, for joining me. We got some other Zags to discuss in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company all in one convenient location. 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zach, still here joined 
with Raphael Barlow talking about Gonzaga's players and their potential to be in the NBA. We covered Chet Holmgren in segment one, talked about the things that he needs to do to be to, to remain in that conversation for the number one or at least number two overall pick. A couple other freshmen that I want to talk about here in segment two, guys who certainly are much more questionable, not only on whether they're going to be NBA players, but whether they're going to even leave this season. Uh, both these guys are playing reserve roles for Gonzaga right now behind Andrew Nembhard and Rasir Bolton. That is, of course, Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas. I want to start with Hickman because he has been the better player so far this season, although he was not quite as highly regarded as a prospect uh, coming in, although they were both top, I think, top 25 guys by most outlets. Uh, Hickman is... Uh, has been really impressive. He's been the you know, backup point guard. He's poised. He's calm. He uh, doesn't turn the ball over. He's looked uh, good as a shooter, although not super consistent. Uh, in Spokane here, we call it pulling a Zach Collins if you leave after your freshman year when you were a backup, because that is what Zach Collins <laughs> did. Um, I'm curious if you think that's a realistic possibility for Hickman based on how he's played so far. I do. I, I yeah. think at, at the minimum, both guys are going to – test the waters. I mean, it only makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the system is designed for them to do that and, and get mm -hmm. feedback. And then also I think it has a lot to do with who is coming in the next recruiting class. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've seen at, at other schools, guys who really need to come back, but they understand coming back means you may be in another reserve role, behind right. a, a highly regarded freshman. So I think Gonzaga is getting to that point where they're getting these highly regarded players that sure. some guys may be squeezed out. But mm -hmm. I think the few has done a good job of getting guys to buy into their role. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, it's hard to say that there's a coach that has done a better job than that because mm -hmm. I mean, even with like Hickman and Salas, both guys could have went to other schools and started. They knew coming mm -hmm. in that yeah. they probably weren't going to be 30 minute guys. Right. And I mean, to my knowledge, I mean, there hasn't been any issues. I mean, we've seen mm -hmm. some guys already transfer. Like, I mean, there's a, right. I don't want to mention his name, but I mean, there's a guy that was, I think, a top 30 recruit, wasn't playing much at his school, and mm -hmm. he's already put his name in the portal. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that both guys knew what, what to expect coming in. As far as mm -hmm. Hickman, I love how you mentioned how he's poised and calm and mm -hmm. steady. In my notes, that's the first thing that I, I noticed <laughs> that when I, yeah. When I watch this game, I mean, he just mm -hmm. has a, a different level of maturity to his game. And, um, I mean, he's just doing everything that you would want out of a backup point guard. Right. Like he's coming in. He's running the offense. If I did have a knock on his game, I'd say he's taking too many threes. Yeah. He's such a gifted ball handler and shot creator mm -hmm. that I think he settles for too many jump shots. Mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't get to the foul line. Yeah. And um, or, or just get to the basket. But other than that, I, I think that if he, you know, maybe it's the system, maybe it's the role that he's yeah. playing, but um, he definitely has the ball handling and creativity. And I think the size to be, you know, a, a, an NBA player. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a good note on Hickman. I, I think Gonzaga is they take the team as a whole takes too many threes. I've been talking about this a lot because they're, they're not a very good three point shooting team and they have two elite post scores uh, in Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren, who's not 
elite around the rim. Well, he is elite around the rim. He just hasn't been used in that capacity all that much. But I do think that Hickman is is has proven he's really good at getting to the basket, really good at finishing around the rim. And I would love to see him do more of that. And like you said, try to get contact, try to get to the free throw line, uh, produce more points that way. Because I think that would be something that would help him. But at the same time, like when you're trying to go into the NBA, the skill that you have to showcase more than almost any other skill is the ability to knock down threes. And I'm hopeful that we see him hit them at a higher percentage in the conference slate. But again, I don't want to see this team in general taking 25 threes a game when they're playing, you know, teams whose biggest guy is six, eight, because it just doesn't make sense for them to be doing that. But yeah, Hickman is a guy who has, has really impressed me so far this season. And Hunter Salas, it's not that he hasn't impressed me. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't played as much. He's the fourth guard in this team behind Hickman. So his just his minutes per game have been lower. Um, but this is a dude who just, I mean, oozes potential. He oozes, he's incredibly athletic. I mean, he's an absolute freak on that end of the on the defensive end of the floor. Uh he's, you know, his athleticism is through the through the roof. He just hasn't showed. I think he's just raw, to be honest. Like that's the biggest note that I have, at least on him from watching him, is just kind of rawness. So I don't, I'm less. I believe in less that he's going to go to the NBA this year than Hickman potentially, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on him uh, for certainly he's going to test the water, but if you think he's likely to come back or what things he may need to work on to be, to reach that potential as a, as a top first round pick. Yeah. I mean, I don't see him as a first round pick to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the sample size is limited, but sure. I mean, I've seen stranger things. We've sure, seen guys, I mean, think of Marvin Williams back in the day was yeah. the number two pick of the draft, and he didn't yeah. start. Um, but no, you know what? Honestly, I, I, um, and I had mentioned that I can be a little bit biased towards Drew Timmy because I live mm-hmm. in Texas, but I'm sure. from Omaha, Nebraska. So oh, okay. I've known Hunter. I know his. I've known his mom for years, and oh, yeah. we actually went to the same church. So oh, I remember really? him as a yeah, little skinny kid with glasses. <laughs> um, I want to say maybe. A few years back, I was at home and mm-hmm. and uh, me and my brothers took some younger kids to go play basketball at like a 24-hour fitness and Hunter was yeah. with us and oh, nice. we were teasing him, calling him Baby Ingram so because uh, I thought he was you know, uh, going to end up being like a Brandon Ingram type player. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that he's probably sacrificed the most yeah. because... He was someone that was high on draft boards. I mean, mm-hmm. a few of them coming into the season. And then he's been put into this role where, I mean, I, I've seen games earlier in the season where he played like eight minutes. Yeah. Sometimes yep. he'd get in at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. And what what I, I like about Hunter is that, you know, I, I don't see it in his body language. Like there's yeah. some recruits that are in similar situations. You can see it in their body language. Mm-hmm. When they get subbed out, not necessarily pouting, but you can just see that they're upset. Now, yeah. on one hand, if you're a competitor, you're going to be upset. But I think sure. Hunter's done a good job as far as being mature about his role. And maybe he mm-hmm. understands, like, mm-hmm. you know, next year I have a better opportunity. Um, he's played with energy. Mm-hmm. And so when he gets in, he, he does have somewhat of an impact by just getting hustle plays and, yeah. and, and running the floor and very good cutter. I think for him, I would I would test the waters also, but I yeah. think that he could end up being like his teammate, like um, mm-hmm. Strother, you yeah. know, who was forgotten about last year. Yeah. 
yeah. and he's had a breakout sophomore season. So I yeah. think that would be a good example for him. But I would test mm -hmm. the waters, see what the feedback is, mm -hmm. and then come back and it'll apply it next year. If he does do that, which is what I expect him to do as well, or at least what I hope he's going to do for his sake, because I think he could definitely improve his draft stock next season. What are things that you'd want to see him do? I'm obviously playing more would be a huge help, but are there specific things on the court you'd want to see him do next season or the rest of this season if he gets an opportunity uh, to really help his draft stock? Yes, yeah, same as Chet, just mm -hmm. kind of, um, you know, become more of a consistent shooter. Sure. You know, following him throughout high school, he was a guy that had the ball in his hands a lot. He was yeah. a good pull-up shooter. And even though that he was a big time scorer in high school, he wasn't necessarily someone that scored by dominating with a high usage rate. He was able right. to get points off steals, running the floor mm -hmm. in transition, cutting, so on. But this is a lot different role. Mm -hmm. And so he's not going to have the opportunity to... I'm trying to think the best way to put it. You know, like if you play a lot of minutes, you can kind of get warmed up and then you can... Yeah get your shot. You know, if yeah. you're like a great pure shooter, you can come off the bench bone dry and right, not right, right. Some shots. So he's not really going to get a lot of rhythm shots is, is what I'm trying to say, yeah. uh, at least on this year's team. So mm -hmm. um, if he can just knock down open shots and, uh, you know, just continue playing hard and showing some defensive impact, then I think that, you know, he can help his draft stock, but yeah. You never know. I mean, they could be blowing teams out in, mm -hmm. in conference and he could end up yeah. getting more minutes. I mean, you know, I don't hope for any injuries, but you, you never yeah. know. There could be yeah, a time where, yeah. you know, he plays good in the tournament. I mean, sometimes yeah. that's all you, that's all you yeah. really need. So cool. Uh, so that would be my suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, a couple more folks to discuss with Raphael in the third segment uh, regarding Gonzaga's mini NBA talents. We've only focused on the freshmen so far, but there's a few more guys that we got to talk about. Uh, before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, GetUpside. Hey, Zags fans, Andy Patton here with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, GetUpside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. Folks, BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball seasons and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton. 
still joined here by Raphael Barlow, still talking Gonzaga's players and their NBA draft potential for this season and beyond. First two segments, we focused on Chet Holmgren and Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas, Gonzaga's three freshmen, talked about what it looks like for them going into the NBA draft this season, or in some of their cases, potentially coming back and going into the draft later. Now I want to talk about some of Gonzaga's veteran guys. We'll start with the guy that you've mentioned that you've seen quite a bit in his career going back to his days in Texas as a high schooler. That's, of course, Drew Timmy, a guy who has he's kind of got the Luca Garza symptom syndrome a little bit where he's a great college player and you kind of know that he could maybe play in the NBA, but you know that you know there's still enough limitations in his game that no matter how well he plays in college, he's probably not going to be a first-round pick or anything like that. I'm curious your thoughts on him in general as an NBA prospect and specifically the thing that's starting to creep into Gonzaga's minds is the possibility that he maybe comes back and does the Christian Leitner thing and just becomes like the most hated player in college basketball for a fourth season uh, as opposed to leaving early because, you know, the the things that he needs to improve upon as an NBA player aren't really happening. I guess I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I watched Drew work out at least four or five times this summer in Dallas. And he put in a lot of work on his outside shooting and his ball handling. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just so far based off the numbers hasn't translated. Mm -hmm. I had mentioned on my podcast, I think that what Drew is going to have to do, at least in my opinion, what he should do is continue to play like he's been playing. But then when he does test the waters or have private workouts, Mm -hmm. show in those workouts that he can shoot. I wouldn't want him to, you know, break the offense, trying to improve his draft stock. So um, that's what I would do. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting because his, his numbers across the board are are a little bit down this year when I was expecting them to go up. I think he averaged like 19 last year. Mm -hmm. And I knew that with their, with their depth and and the talent of the team, that I mean, it, it was a possibility, but I'm like, mm-hmm. last year's mm-hmm. team had two guys yeah, that, yeah, were, yeah. <laughs> that were uh, highly regarded, too, and he still averaged mm-hmm. 19 a game. So I, I thought he was going to be around 22 a game this year. I think he's at mm-hmm. about 16. Yeah. Even the field goal percentage is down, mm-hmm. maybe like four or five percentage points. Um, and, and then after the Texas game, I just knew he was poised for yeah. <laughs> a dominant season. Um mm-hmm. I still think that he, he's in a, a just a weird situation where does mm-hmm. coming back to college again next year help him out? Does it help his draft stock? No. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be great for his career. I mean, he, yeah. you know, statistically, mm-hmm. you know, he, he put himself in position to be able to, you know, come back and, you know, be the most popular player, player in the program history. I mean, mm-hmm. arguably between. Right. But, um, yeah, I just I just don't know what it is for him if coming mm-hmm. back helps him out or yeah. I mean, does he just go ahead and, and put himself in a weird position mm-hmm. knowing that there's a chance that he won't get drafted? But then Garza mm-hmm. has he had a big game last week. Yeah. And then another it's it's kind of like a, a weird thing going both ways with all of the COVID protocols in the NBA, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity of being like a 15th man in the rotation and right. playing 30 minutes for a week. But yep. then also with the NIL, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Drew, I, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but mm-hmm. this popularity in the area could probably make more money yeah. staying than mm-hmm. being a, like a two-way player. So yeah. 
very interesting decision. But I mean, like I said, I don't know how this protocol situation is going to change. I mean, sure. I don't really, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could be the same thing next year. So right. some teams are going to end up having 25 guys playing minutes. So mm-hmm. it's an opportunity. It's not a bad situation where you go to the G League knowing that you could possibly get a call up if you can stay COVID free. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. You know, you look at Gonzaga, uh, some of the guy, their guys in the NBA. You look at a guy like Killian Tilly, who who went undrafted and signed a two way contract, and now you know he parlayed that into a guaranteed deal. He just signed that recently and is was starting for Memphis. He wasn't playing a ton of minutes, but he's been starting in part because of injuries, in part because he's just been healthy and has been playing well. So there's there's definitely an avenue to get into the NBA and stick or at least st- you know get guaranteed money uh, even if you're not necessarily a drafted player especially now like you said but but yeah the NIL thing is an interesting argument especially for a guy like Drew Timmy who every single Gonzaga game I've watched he's been on commercials like you see him he's he's a he's a, a figure in Spokane certainly a small small town that loves him and loves Gonzaga so he has that opportunity to to help make money in a way that you know other athletes in all of college basketball's past haven't had that ability to do that. So I'm, I'm, I just, like you said, I don't think there's not really a way he comes back and improves his draft stock. I don't think that that he's just one year older and he's not going to, I mean, he'd have to come back and have the greatest season in college basketball history or come back and shoot 40% from three, which (laughs) is very unlikely. Um, And, and I think, I think you nailed it. I think, if he can continue to play within Gonzaga's offense, he's not going to go out and start bombing threes and disrupting the offense. Or if he does, Mark Few is just going to pull him real quickly. But if he can prove that he can hit those threes in workouts, private workouts, you know, scrimmages with teams, I think there's a possibility that that's enough for teams to draft him. Because you know, I was watching an I was watching the Blazers game recently, and I was watching Yusuf Nurkic, who has very good footwork, and I was like, Drew Timmy's footwork is better. But then I watched the play of Nurkic leaning into Clint Capella and just moving him, like physically moving him. And I was like, but I don't think Drew can do that. Like he may have better footwork, but I don't know that he's strong enough to body some of these really big dudes. And, you know, using Nurk as an example still, he can also step out and hit a mid-range shot or hit an open three. And Drew hasn't proven the ability to do that yet. I think it's something that could probably develop. Uh, Gonzaga has a, a strange history of, having some of their big men turn into better outside shooters when they leave Gonzaga. DeMontis Sabonis hasn't been a great outside shooter, but wasn't one at all in college. Kelly Olenek has been better in the NBA. Uh, Memphis is really trying to make Brandon Clark better. It hasn't (laughs) really worked. Uh, Rui has been a good three-point shooter um, when he's been on the court, uh, or a better three-point shooter than he was in college. So I think there's a possibility that this could work with Drew Timmy, but until he shows that outside shot, I have a hard time imagining him being more than a, two-way guy or a you know a end of the bench type of player in the NBA. Yeah, Drew is is so interesting. I've had so many arguments with people mm-hmm. on social media because he kicked Evan Mobley's butt last year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Evan Mobley right now looks like the the front mm-hmm. runner for rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand you look at Drew, his touch around the rim is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the footwork, this little half hook flip shots. So yeah. you would think that it should be an easy progression to being able to extend his range, but yeah. he is a inconsistent free throw shooter. I mean, I think he's yeah. been around the high 60s, maybe yeah. low 70s. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's very interesting that he has such great touch, like on the move, yeah, with contact. 
but then he struggles with the free throw line when there's mm-hmm. obviously there's nobody defending him. And then he just doesn't shoot enough threes to really, you know, I mean, I guess it's a good thing that he doesn't shoot a lot of threes because the percentages say that he's not a good shooter. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 very interesting because like the guys that you mentioned, I can make a case that I felt like Drew has better touch than yeah. those guys, yeah, especially sure, around yeah. the rim. Mm-hmm. So um, it, he he's definitely one of the most divisive prospects mm-hmm. in in this whole NBA draft space. Absolutely. Well. Raphael, I could probably talk to you about every other player on Gonzaga's roster, um, but we don't have a ton of time for that. So I've got one more guy that I want to talk to you about. Uh, it's Andrew Nembhard, Gonzaga's point guard, uh, obviously a guy who has had NBA aspirations for his entire career. It was known when he went to Florida that he was hoping to be a one and done. That didn't come together. He ended up transferring from Florida, tested the water after his second year, came to Gonzaga, is now in his fourth collegiate season has a guy he's a guy who at times has looked like the best point guard in the country particularly for anybody who watched that UCLA game he was incredible in that game but at times he has looked uh, nowhere close to the best point guard in the country I guess is the most polite way to put it Uh, we've seen him be a little bit more careless with the basketball at times Uh, and then most notably the kind of the the story of a lot of the players we've talked about today uh, is the outside shooting he's just at no point in his collegiate career has he been more than a average three-point shooter most of the time he's been a little bit below that Uh, but a guy who also is a great a gifted passer has improved defensively uh, has a lot of that poise as well I'm curious kind of what your thoughts are for this guy uh, and his potential NBA career yeah I I like him I thought he was going to have a breakout season Mm -hmm. and the numbers have decline. I I think he's at his worst field goal percentage in his four-year career. Mm -hmm. Three-point percentage just hasn't come along. I think his best year from three was as a freshman. I I don't know the the volume of attempts, but he's someone that no matter what in the college level, I I think you can pencil him in for like nine points and five assists per night. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just this season was, I, I felt like, the season to where if he could just knock down open shots, shoot 36, 37 yeah. percent from three, then, you know, I, I think it would have solidified him as at least a second round pick. He has the size. He's a gifted passer. Yeah. Just offensively, he just hasn't made the strides over the last, you know, three years that that we've expected. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to have a, a negative impact on, on his draft status. But um I mean, I like him. I thought at best he could be a backup point guard in the yeah. NBA because you don't really see guys at 6'5 with that type of court vision and passing mm-hmm. instincts. But in the NBA, you can't really unlock your passing skills unless you're a threat to score. Yep. And so I think that um, that's going to have a, a negative effect on him. Raphael, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know we had a pretty significant time difference between where you are and where I am, and I'm glad we we made it work so we were able to chat here about a couple of Gonzaga players. Uh, I really appreciate you taking that time. Oh, yeah, no problem. Actually, let your audience know what time it is where you're at. <laughs> it is. Uh, we Raphael and I started recording at about 6.30 a.m. Pacific time, so I uh, finished recording last night around 8 p.m. and jumped back on again this morning uh, to get this thing done. But it's as well worth it to, to hear your expertise on these guys. Thank you. Anytime. I mean, that just shows your your dedication to <laughs> to this podcast and, and how much you enjoy doing it. If you're getting up at 630, I mean, some people at that time, they can't even function without <laughs> their coffee, yet alone want to, want to you know, do a podcast. So thank you for the opportunity to come on anytime you want me on as a guest. 
just a, a text away. And, and, yeah. and I definitely want to have you on as a guest as we get closer to the draft because nobody's going to have more insight on the on the, the Bulldog players than you. So thanks uh, again for the opportunity. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, that is going to do it for today. We got one more episode this week on Friday before hopefully we get to a real Gonzaga game on Saturday. We will see as of right now. They have not announced if that game is going to be played or not. Uh, All of that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.